Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Coleraine, Massachusetts, as Pastor Jim Rennie continues to faithfully challenge and encourage us in the Word. And it is our prayer that this message will encourage the believer and bring the unbeliever closer to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, welcome to the First Baptist Church here in Coleraine, Massachusetts. Thank you for tuning in and listening wherever you are. We really appreciate that. hope you get a blessing today. I'm going to finish... Uh, Paul's, St. Paul's letter to Titus, Pastor Titus today, and I'm going to ask Joe to read the whole chapter, chapter 3. Good morning. We're going to be on page 1859 in the Bible in your pews, chapter 3. Remind the people to be subject to the rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and to show true humility towards all men. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and the love of our God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous things that we have done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. So that having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. But avoid the foolish controversies and genealogies, and arguments, and quarrels about the law, because these are unprofitable and useless. Warn a divisive person once, and then warn him a second time. After that, have nothing to do with him. You may be sure that a man is warped and sinful. He is self-condemned. As soon as I send Artemis of Titus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicolapus, because I have decided to winter there. Do everything you can to help Zenus, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way, and see that they have everything they need. Our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order that they may provide for the daily necessities and not live unproductive lives. Everyone with me sends you greetings. Greet those who love us in faith. Grace be with you all. Praise God for his word. Thank you, Joe, very much. So let's start with a word of prayer, eh? Again, Heavenly Father, we're so thankful to be here. Thank you for each one that's ventured out and those that are listening. 
and watching. We appreciate that, and we pray our ears will be open to learn something new so we can put it practically into our lives and receive some knowledge that we're unaware of this morning that will help us grow in our faith. In Jesus' name, amen? Well, in your handout there, the, the title of this message is Final Instructions to Titus. Now, Paul begins, uh, St. Paul, by telling Titus what to teach those believers on the island of Crete. And he starts out by saying, remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good. Crete, the island of Crete, which is south of, of Greece in the Mediterranean Sea, evangelized by the Apostle Paul. Many churches were planted there. It was under Roman authority. And the believers there were often uh, maligned, persecuted because of their faith in Jesus. And uh, we will be mocked and uh, abused for that fact. Yeah, you go to church? What? What are you? However, they were to abide by the laws of Rome, but not support anything contrary to their faith in Jesus. And that's the same with us. We are to abide by the laws of the land, but not support anything that is contrary to our faith in Jesus Christ and what the Bible teaches. They were to be good citizens and behave in such a way that would reflect their faith in Christ. So we have a tremendous responsibility how we ought to live. And he gives practical advice how they ought to, and we ought to as well, how to behave as good citizens. They were not to, be, to gossip, cause trouble, like being contentious and argumentative. Instead, them and us, we are to be gentle, reasonable, considerate, agreeable, courteous, patient, and humble. So that's something we can attempt to <laughs> exemplify in our lives and not be contentious and uh, argumentative. Who would you like to hang around with? Someone who's contentious and argumentative and causes trouble, or someone who's reasonable, gentle, considerate, agreeable, courteous, patient, and humble. So after teaching how to live before others, Paul reminds Titus that we, what we were like before we became Christians. It tells us right there. We were foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. That's what we lived for. We lived in malice and envy. That's desiring something that doesn't belong to us. Being hated and hating one another. What a way to live. That's how some of us live before we received the God of love, Jesus Christ, as our Savior. You know, rebellious uh, unbelievers uh, behave the same way, probably. Uh, they don't know any better. But before becoming Christians, we behaved the same way. We didn't have the power to change because we'd never been set free 
by sin's powerful grip upon us. But now we've been set free. Amen? All right, our transformation is not the result of our good works. Our good works of righteousness. We had no righteousness of our own. Our transformation is the result according to God's mercy. He's a merciful God. And also the grace of God, which is the unmerited favor of God that he freely bestowed upon us when we received the God of grace, Jesus Christ. You know, if the Lord had never intervened in our lives, we would still be bound in sin, living a life of disobedience and rebellion against God, separated from him and destined for eternal judgment and hellfire. So we have a lot to praise God for, don't we? We're not on that broad road that leads to destruction anymore. We're on the narrow road that leads to eternal life. Amen. It talks about salvation here in verses 5 and 6. Thankfully, God intervened in our life. He rescued us because of his great love for us, because of his mercy, because of his grace. And he saved our soul simply by believing faith in what his son did on the cross. Now, the sins of our past are completely washed away. The sins of our past are completely forgiven. We've been pardoned through the cleansing blood of Jesus that he shed on the cross. And we became a new creation, having been born again, spiritually. You know, the guilt, the condemnation of our past is all washed away, all because of what Jesus did. Our sin has been removed as far as the east is from the west. Can you, can you measure the distance between the east and the west? You can't. It's immeasurable. So is God's love. Our sins have been removed. God chooses to forget about them. He has that capacity. Now, we don't. We don't have that capacity to forget. But he does. Thank God that he does. He obtained our justification. It says there in verse 7. So that, having been justified... By his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. Justified. God justifies us. Just as if we had never sinned at all. Those of us who were once guilty, condemned, and separated from God were wayward children, lost in our trespasses and sins, having become now part of his family. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. We are declared righteous. We have no righteousness of our own, but God declares us 
righteous because of the atoning sacrifice of Jesus and what we believe he did on that cross. It's very simple. So in verse 8, Paul challenges Titus. He's got all this practical advice, but he challenges Pastor Titus to be faithful. And that's all God asks of us, really, to be faithful. Amen? That's all you need to do. Be faithful to Christ. He tells Titus, Pastor Titus, be faithful to preach the word of God. We've all got different calling. We've all got different gifts. We've all got different talents. And we use those to the glory of God. Not all of us are called to be a preacher, like Titus was. So, it isn't enough just to know what the Bible teaches we should almost also put it into practice in our everyday lives, amen? If we want to be blessed. We all want to be blessed, don't we? I do, and I am blessed. Not that I deserve it, but he says I, I am. I'm declared righteous. We want to be blessed, but we have to be obedient. Not, it's not enough just to know the word of God. We need to put it into practice, <laughs> And the only way we can do that is by God's grace, right? Which is powerful. It's powerful. So he gives more practical advice here to the pastor in verse 9. He says, avoid foolish controversies or controversies, depending where you were brung up. Avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law. It's talking about the Torah, the first five books of the Bible given to the Jews, the people of Israel. Why should we avoid arguing about and quarreling about the law? It tells us they're unprofitable. They're unprofitable and useless. So why bother arguing about it? He's telling him, don't get into that. Leave it alone. Paul knew there was no need to get him bogged down in senseless questions and debates. It just leads to more arguments and quarrels and controversies. We've learned about this circumcision group known as the Judaizers that came in to the churches and were confusing the people, saying that they ought to follow, not only follow the law, but they also follow the myths and the customs of the people of Israel. And you need to be back, uh, circumcised as well. They came in, they were dividing families, and they loved to emphasize their genealogy and their relationship to Abraham. But that's okay. But they took it a step further. They also expected the church to follow their laws and their customs in order to be acceptable to God. All right? Which contradicts Scripture. So Paul, St. Paul, who probably knew more about the law than any of them, all of them put together, declares that arguments and debates are unprofitable and vain, 
unprofitable and vain. That's another one in your handout. Number seven, I believe. He says, what's the point in arguing? Besides, some people are never going to change. You're not going to change them by arguing with them, quarreling with them. Because many people have no desire for truth. Because a lot of them, their minds are already made up. So you can't teach an unteachable person. That's impossible. Have you ever tried doing that? I have. It's just a waste of time. And these Judaizers, they were stirring up trouble, creating confusion, and like I said last week, according to scripture in this book, they were dividing the families because some people were aligning themselves with that circumcision group while others were trying to listen to what the prophet Paul taught under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So he gives more practical advice to Pastor Titus. What do you have to do with these troublemakers? What should you do with them? The Bible is clear. What does it say? I'm not making this stuff up. Woe betide if I do. Verse 10 through 11. This is what we're to do with false teachers. He says, warn a divisive person once. And then warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. So you warn them once, they don't change. You warn them again, there's no change. After that, he said, have nothing to do with them. Paul explained how to deal with a heretic. What's a heretic? Some of you already know, some of you don't. A heretic is one who chooses what he believes. A heretic chooses what he believes in spite of what the Bible teaches, in spite of the teaching revealed in Scripture. That's what a heretic is. So when these heretics crop up, which they do, they did back then and occasionally do now, unfortunately, Titus was to immediately admonish them, confront them. Once, no change. Twice, no change. Third time, have nothing to do with them. He was to reject them, have no association with them whatsoever. Now, Paul declared those who refused to be corrected, he said they've subverted themselves by turning from the truth. The truth that they once believed in, they've, they've rejected that and started teaching another gospel. So they commit sin and they condemn themselves. We don't condemn them. They condemn themselves. And Titus was to feel no guilt for dealing sternly with a heretic, and neither should we. 
They'd brought reproach upon themselves, the church, and more importantly, on the name of Jesus Christ. Of course, we can fellowship with those who embrace the fundamentals of the church, regardless of the denomination, as long as we agree on the fundamentals that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin, that he was without sin, that he died on the cross, that he was buried and he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, seated on the right hand of the Father, ever lives in, to make intercession for us. And given his prophets, his word to write down for our benefit, to teach us. We're being taught today, amen? Hope you're learning a lot this morning. So when heretics are found and exposed, they must be dealt with according to Scripture. And if they will not heed wise counsel, having been admonished more than once, the Bible says the church is to disassociate ourselves from them. It's very clear. Notice verse 11, it says... He says they are self-condemned. So it's not us or me that's condemning them. They condemn themselves. <laughs> now before his closing uh, benediction, which is normal for Paul, because he's always emphasizing the grace of God, which is wonderful, he concludes his letter and he mentions some faithful men that he knew. And he says, everyone with me sends you greetings. So it wasn't just the Apostle Paul that was in prison or out evangelizing. He had other people with him. Everyone sends me you greetings. Artemis, Tychicus, Zenus, apparently he was a lawyer, probably one you could trust. And somebody called Apollos, which is also in the New Testament. You read the book of Acts. He was a Jewish evangelist, well-versed in the word of God, who boldly preached it. Now, Paul's final word to Titus is to teach the church to do good works, to do good works. In other words, good deeds. Now, you know as well as I know that good works or good deeds do not save anybody, do not save anyone's soul. But in order for the church in Crete to function according to New Testament church principles, it would have to produce good deeds. It would have to do good works in the name of the Lord, not to get brownie points for doing good deeds. We're getting a pat on the back. We do it in the name of the Lord, for the Lord, and for the church, for our benefit. These principles remain for the church today. We must commit to doing good works as well. If we are to honor the Lord, edify the church, and evangelize the unsaved. 
They need to hear the gospel. That's the only way they can change and be guaranteed a home in heaven when they die. And he closes with his usual benediction. Grace be with you all. Grace be with you all. Those that are saved by grace, that's the only way you can be saved, through faith in Jesus Christ, are promised eternal life. So those Christians in Crete, you know, they face many, many hardships and difficulties. You think we've got it bad. Adversities that we have no conception about. But they were told to continue to endure those problems and those adversities and the pain that they were going through in this world, the opposition. Some of us are going to face opposition too. As time goes by, more and more, we're going to face opposition. Maybe you've experienced that already. But like I said in the prayer, remember, this world is not our home. This is not heaven. You know, everything was hunky-dory, everything was wonderful in the garden until Adam and Eve chose to disobey God and everything's, it's not heaven anymore. They were supposed to live forever, but they blew it and we're all suffering the consequences. But the, the problems that we may face got nothing compared to what they, they, they experienced back in the day. Persecutions, opposition, suffering. Many lost their lives for their faith in Christ. Even though it seems like we're an increasing minority as believers, which we seem to be more so year by year, an increasing minority, we are still called to be salt and light, living in amongst the people of this world who have not come to the knowledge of the truth. So we have a tremendous responsibility to be salt and light. Somebody said, you can't lead a horse to water. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink, right? Have you heard that saying before? Well, you can, you give it salt. Give that horse salt and he'll be thirsty. We need to give salt to the unbelievers we associate with. So they would be thirsty for God. Remember the woman of the well? He said, I'll give you, I'll, you thirsty, I'll give you, I'll give you water that you'll, it'll never run out. Co totally uh, provide for all her needs, not just for this life, but for all eternity as well. So let's close this book, finally. Not sure where we're going next. I have an idea. Although I've preached on Philemon before, some of you may remember. No, I'll probably do it again. It's the next book over, so why not? Keep going. So, finally, Paul closes this letter. And he sends, as usual, greetings to the believers in Crete, praying that they'll experience the matchless grace of God as they serve Jesus faithfully. God has given you gifts and talents 
that no one else has. Let's use them for the benefit of the church and for the glory of God. So thankful that many of you do, one form or another. Some are incapable of doing specific tasks because of you know, different infirmities or whatever the case. But they provide financially for, the, for our church to keep functioning. That's why we've got the lights on. We don't feel cold in here in the winter. Someone has to pay for the, uh, the heating and all that. We do. You know, it's not, money doesn't grow on trees, does it? Well, it does. It, money, paper money comes from trees. But you know what I mean. So we need to pray for one another. We keep, need to keep giving. And also, you know, give a word of encouragement to somebody. And do an act of kindness. And that doesn't go unrewarded. You know, many people won't, may not see it, but God does. And he says, Jesus, he said, even if you give a glass of water, not, not the glass, the water in it, to somebody, that, that doesn't go unrewarded. God's keeping accounts. Let's fill up that bank account in heaven. All right? See what kind of rewards we're going to get when we get there. Wonderful. So, no doubt, this epistle, this letter brought much wisdom, and I hope for us as well, and encouragement, not only to Titus, but also to us. You know, and it's just as relevant today, I keep saying it, and I'll keep on saying it, the Bible. It's just as relevant today as it was when it was first written. And we have an obligation to live according to what it teaches. So we can please God. So we can be blessed. Amen. So we could have a clear conscience. There's nothing worse than having a guilty conscience. You know what that feels like? It's not very pleasant. But if we blow it, we can go to our Father and ask for forgiveness and then he forgets it once we confess it. We just don't need to keep going back and repeating it over and over again. But his grace is greater than all our sin. Thank God that it is. And he doesn't see us as sinners. He doesn't see us that way. He sees us as saints just as if we had never sinned at all. That's great, isn't it? Should be encouragement to us. So, the grace of God manifested in our lives so we can show that manifestation to others within the church and also those outside the church that are unchurched. Amen in order to bring them to Christ. Amen? All right. Well, that closes our study in the book of Titus. Hope you've been blessed by it. I know I have. So let's close in a word of prayer. Again, Father, we're so grateful that you're building your church here in this small town of Coleraine. And we thank you for each one of us. And I know... You've spoken to us this morning, each and every one of us, not just as a group, but as each and every one of us.
individually and help us by your grace to produce good works for the benefit of others. And uh, that would not go unrewarded. You bless those that keep your word and puts it into practice. Help us to do that. And I'd like to address those of you that have never received Jesus Christ as your personal savior. Oh, it's a very, it's a simple thing to do. Believe and acknowledge that you are a sinner, that you've done wrong, that you're separated from God because of your sins. But you can be forgiven. But the only way you can be forgiven is by believing in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that God raised him from the dead. And if you call upon his name to save you, to ask him to forgive you, because it was your sin and my sin that put Jesus on that cross. If we weren't sinners, there was no point in him coming to die in our place. He was completely without sin. And he took the punishment that we deserve. That's how much he loves you. He was willing to do that. So if we reject him, then God's obviously going to reject us because they're rejecting his son whom he sent to save us. So I hope and pray that you will receive him by faith and the grace of God will fill you and make you a new creation and give you a reason to live and a home in heaven when you die. I hope you make that choice to believe and receive Christ as your savior and then you'll be able to understand the word of God, to read it, to grow in your faith and then get into a church where they preach and teach the gospel and share your faith with those that are lost. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, and God bless you all. I hope to see you again soon. Thank you again for tuning in. You can find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find podcasts. We'd love for you to join us at the First Baptist Church in Coleraine for Sunday morning worship at 11 a.m. We are located at 81 Foundry Village Road, Coleraine, Massachusetts. If you have any questions or inquiries, please feel free to call the church at 413-624-8886. Hope to see you soon. God bless.